Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Wild Tales contains discussion of sexual assault and intense medical situations. Listener discretion is advised. We'd like to thank our patrons. Dave Maas, The Beacon, May Extraordinaire, Veronica Ramirez, Nikki S., and Zendrick42 for their support in making this series possible. The boys are back! And we're better than ever! Broadcasting live from Wild Outpost 1, this is... Wild Tales! It is good to be back, isn't it, Bass? Oh, do you know it, Charles? Uh, um, Dear listeners, unfortunately, our location has been unveiled to the public, which is a real shame. In fact, Charles, we have a fan who was able to find our location and show up at our door. Our favorite fan, Commander Xavier, is just outside our door right now with a huge armada of soldiers. (laughs) Isn't that right, Commander Xavier? Surrender now, and you won't find yourself in any more trouble. (laughs) Oh, he's funny. (laughs) Isn't he good, Rich? Oh, I know. None of this is amusing. Cease your transmission. Your hull may be thick, but we are nearly through it. Soon enough, you'll be surrounded by Alliance forces. Surrender. Now. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think, Baz? I'm not really feeling it today. No, me neither. Uh, Should we move on to today's tale? Oh, why not? You have given me no choice, but... I think that's enough from him. Bit of a chatterbox, that one. (laughs) (laughs) Today's tale is one of intrigue and deception. A great detective tale like no other. And this one was submitted by listener Teresa Perrin. Thank you so much for your submission. I don't know about you, but there's nothing I like more than to share a thrilling tale with you and the listeners, Charles. Likewise! We hope you enjoy! Case notes. Case number 005. This case is over, finished, and I'm glad to see the back of it. (sighs) Client Elena Charleston runs a care home on Gorn for the elderly. Those who have deep pockets. I visited her office, a plush, high-end place. Thick blue carpets and what looked like real walnut furniture. Paintings in gold frames. The whole kit and caboodle. (laughs) 
One of her wealthy patients died. Montgomery Stone. The report said, heart attack. Yeah, well, Elena said she knew otherwise. Her patrons are cared for by five Catherines. Only the best. Elena knew one of the Catherines killed him. An equipment malfunction, she called it. Wanted to deal with it herself. No need for the authorities and bad publicity. She wanted me to find out which Catherine killed the old man. I never wanted to take this case. It was bad from the start. I should have tipped off the authorities or just slammed the door on my way out. But there, there was something about the way each Catherine looked at me. Something, something in their eyes that made me take this damned case. So. The results. First, it looked like a heart attack. So if this man was murdered, it had to be poison. Great. It's a care facility, so there's a controlled medicine log. Uh, I did a dive into the records. Uh, one sec. Controlled substance access records. Access. Catherine McBride. Hydrocodone. Five milligrams. Access. Catherine Soto. Simvastatin. Twenty milligrams. Access. Catherine Pierce. Dioxin, 0.25 milligrams. That's the one. Dioxin. A heart medication. And there was more than a quarter milligram missing, according to what should have been left in the bottle. A lot more. So, I interviewed Catherine Pierce. And here's an excerpt from that interview. Mr. Hart, I know what you're implying. But if there was more dioxin missing, that's not my concern. I took out the proper dosage from Mrs. Elizabeth Hunt, as prescribed. I suppose I could have extracted more dioxin without being detected, but when could I possibly have administered it to Mr. Stone? I had no contact with him that day or evening before his death. No. I'm afraid you're looking in the wrong place entirely. Um, she was right, of course. Whoever killed Stone needed to have access, not just to poison, but to Stone himself. So, how was the dose administered? Not a shot. Probably in food or drink. That led me to Catherine Croft. She prepared the meals for all the inhabitants that day and brought them around. I interviewed her about it, of course, and here's her response. Well, yes, I often cook the meals, you know. I'm pretty good at it. All the residents like my puddings. I keep their diet straight and get them to eat the foods they need. I mean, it can be hard. A lot of older people lose their appetites. Hmm. Oh, but you were asking me about Mr. Stone. Oh, it was so sad. Well, I mean, he wasn't young. They're never young here. They lived long, full lives with luxury and opportunity and family. Well, so I'm never really that sad. 
I don't see why they think he was killed. That's just silly. I mean, people die. And I, and I could have added something to his food, but wouldn't that be calling attention to me? I mean, I wouldn't want to be the one that prepared the food with poison in it. And you, you know, I never go near the poison cupboard. <laughs> you won't see me on the access record at all. It's silly. It's not my area. That's the kitchen. That's where I do my medicine nowadays. If Croft got poisoned somewhere else and put it in the man's food, I don't know how I would prove it. I thought about it. What was the danger for the killer? Assuming there was one. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. There were two of the Catherines that caught my eye. They were there when Stone died. Soto and Norris. Soto was in his room reading to him. Uh, Norris came in when his heart went haywire and the alarm spiked. They had a crash cart. No one else was in the room. Could one of them have made sure they couldn't revive him? Here's Catherine Soto. Yes. You always have to be ready for something like that. He was having trouble breathing and looked like he was in pain, but he couldn't really say much. The alarms went off, but I was already up and by his bed. His breathing was laboured. Norris came in. We gave him adrenaline, oxygen. Tried to revive him, but there was nothing we could do. I... I didn't like being in the room when he died. It doesn't usually happen like that. I think... No. I'm sure that Norris did everything she could. I did everything I could. Even though sometimes I lie awake at night and wonder... Is there more I could have done? But no. There's only so much you can do. When it's someone's time, it's their time. Norris's story matched up. It would have been difficult for one of them to make sure he died without the other noticing. But then, it's a tense situation. And who knows what could have happened in the blink of an eye. I wasn't getting anywhere. I needed to look for a motive. So... I took a deeper dive into the Jeffrey unit. There must be something useful. I found that there were erased files. Always interesting. Here's what I found. 
first instance log, 12.21 hours, 03.1383. M. Stone to Catherine Pierce. Transcript. You're making me crazy, girly. I don't want lunch, just you. Come here, where I can grab you. You're here to serve me, right? Come over here. Second instance log. 2012 hours. 3-18-83. M. Stone to Catherine Croft. Transcript. I'm not ready to sleep, sweetie, but I'm ready for bed. With you! Come on, I mean now. Gotcha! It goes on and on. Lots of evidence. Neatly tallied, then erased. So you thought. Ignored and wiped by you, Elena. Lots of motive that you could have done something about before the fact. It's too late now. And you must have known who brought you the evidence. It took a bit of toying around with your Jeffrey, but it was Catherine McBride who programmed the Jeffrey to keep these records. McBride didn't deny it when I spoke with her. But she didn't let any grass grow under her feet before she took off running. She kindly left me a confession. I didn't do much. But my bill will be substantial. Play recording. Montgomery Stone was a horrible man. A selfish man who saw us all. All as Catherine's, but also all Nora's, all Baz's, all Olivia's, all Richard's as items to be used. And the things he wanted to use us for were... Horrible. Elena Charleston was going to do to stop it. She needed, no, wanted his money too much. So I, Catherine McBride, poisoned him. I'm not sorry. He deserved it. And you won't find me. I wanted you to know, Richard, I don't have any ill will towards you. I made my bed. I will lie in it. You'll pay my attached bill promptly. Stop recording. No recording. Private. Encrypted file. Catherine McBride may be fleeing, but she's not the one who accessed the missing poison. That, that was Catherine Pierce. And she's not the one who brought Montgomery Stone his poisoned food that evening. No, that, that one was Croft. Catherine Soto and Norris they were there when he died, making sure he didn't survive. 
They all work together to solve their problem, tracking their movements, their logs. Each one, each one of them had to play a role. And, and Catherine McBride's role, her role was to take the fall for the rest of them. Good luck, McBride. This case... This case is closed. And I wish... I wish I'd never seen it. Wow. Just... Wow. You saw that one coming. <sighs> they all did it? Uh, th that really took me by surprise. Yeah, me as well. You know, that Richard Hart chap really reminded me of that Ridley Lockhart. I wonder if there's any connection there. You know, I noticed that too. I do love those Ridley books. The later ones are a bit ropey, but yeah. hey, it's it's all good fun in the end. <laughs> Bing bong, boys! I have Zadie Baby on the line. Oh, right up! Uh, I forgot about him. Should we check in with our biggest fan? Oh, he's yeah. such a big fan that he's actually currently in the process of breaking into Wild Outpost One in order to arrest us for transmitting confidential Alliance documents. Ooh, silly ass. How could we be so careless? I know. Commander Xavier, you there? This is Commander Xavier Temuera. We are moments from cutting through your hull. You have moments before you are surrounded. Surrender. Nah. Fine. Crack it open. What in the blue blazes? Oh. oh, did we forget to mention? I think we might have. Oops. I am just so embarrassed, Commander Xavier. You know we love you, but we forgot to tell you we actually moved. Uh, we haven't been broadcasting from the location for... Like a week, week, Charles? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, we left pretty much the instant our location was revealed. The good news is that we have, like, <laughs> loads of backup locations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we couldn't be there in person, but the good news is that we left you a little present. Uh, are those drones? Taser drones. It just felt better than chocolates and flowers and a condolence card. I will find you. I will find you if it's the last thing I do. I will... Ah! Don't you just get... Get off me! That'll stop him droning on. Got him, boys. <laughs> good one, Jeffrey. That was a good scream. Uh, you know it. Now we've got it on tap. Tell me, Charles, what does it sound like when you've got 50,000 volts running through you? Oh, well, I think it sounds a little like this. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, thank you for your support, listeners. Don't worry, it'll take a little more than Commander Zadie to put a stop to us. We are pleased to say goodbye for another week. This is Wild Outpost 2. <laughs> Sign off.
Thank you for listening to Wild Tales. You can support this show by heading over to patreon.com slash orphans audio for more orphans content. And you can head over to our website orphanspod.com for links to transcripts, merch, and our discord. Five Catherines was written by Teresa Perrin and directed by Zachary Fortes Gom. Richard Hart was Gavin Richards. Catherine was Katrina Allen. And Jeffrey was James Barbarossa. Wild Tales was performed by Alex Bird as Baz Goodrich, Felix Trench as Charles Pritchett, and Pip Gladwin as Xavier. With original music by James Barbarossa. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.